The scripture comes from Matthew 6, 19 through the 34th verse. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, not about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and their body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will not be much more clothed you, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow we worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. This morning we're entering into the third week of our sermon series called What If, where we're considering what it might be like if we were to change the what if question from a question that's filled with fear and regret to a question that's filled with possibility and potential. Because making that shift in our hearts, in our lives, has the potential to open up doors for God's will and God's work to be done in our lives in ways it's never been done before, even in our church in ways that it's never been done before. All of this is leading up to another opportunity for you to commit to the work and the life of the church. Two weeks ago, we committed to serve. Excuse me, last weekend, we committed to serve here at Pittman Park and opened up the opportunity for you to find a place to work in the life of the church, to make a difference for those who enter into these doors and those in our community who need a helping hand. Serving is a great way to step up and to offer what we have that others might be blessed. And then next week, we'll have the opportunity to commit the blessings that God has poured out on our lives um, for the upcoming year and for the budget of our church. 
And so we began with the question in this series, what if we humble ourselves and pray? Knowing that if we are faithful to pray, that God is faithful to hear our prayers. If we were to put God first in our lives and begin to pray, God listens and responds to our prayers in faithfulness because our God is faithful to us. Then last week we asked, what if we do something extraordinary by offering our limited time, our limited resources, even our limited lives to God? Because there is a potential if we offer ourselves to God, even our limited selves to God, that God can unleash unlimited possibility. Think back on the story we looked at last week from John chapter 6, where Jesus feeds the 5,000. A little boy offers his lunch, his sack lunch, his five little barley loaves and two fish. And Jesus multiplies that offering to feed 5,000 people. In fact, there were 12 baskets of leftovers after everyone had had their fill. Whenever we offer our limited gifts to an unlimited God, possibilities abound. And then this morning, the what-if question that we're asking is, what if we put God first? What if we truly put God first in our lives? Now, you might be thinking I'm preaching to the choir, and why go much further in this? We're here in church, right? Isn't that putting God first in our lives? Well, maybe. But I think God wants more than our church attendance as a mark of our faithfulness. And honestly, all too often, our choices and our actions betray us, right? We may say that we put God first in our lives, but our actions and our choices and our behaviors show that often, more often than not, we put ourselves first or our interests first, especially when fear and scarcity, like we talked about last week, become a part of the picture. It's easier to put other things in the first place, in the place where God and God alone belongs. But again, we aren't the first people to deal with this tension in our lives, to struggle with this struggle within our lives. In fact, Jesus addresses our tendency to put other things ahead of God in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you want to find the Sermon on the Mount, you can find it in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And this is perhaps Jesus' most important and most widely recognized teaching in all of the Gospels. It's the most famous section of teachings in the Gospel. In Matthew 5, Jesus begins with the Beatitudes that say, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You've heard these sayings before, right? Okay, sermon series on, Stephanie, write it down. Sermon series on the Beatitudes coming your way. Um, You've heard these before. And then Jesus, after going through the Beatitudes, begins to reinterpret Jewish law and Jewish tradition, talking about different facets of faithful living in the world. And all of this happens in a long teaching session on the side of a mountain in front of a multitude of people. Jesus begins with the Beatitudes. Before in chapter 6, he begins to talk about prayer and fasting and how to properly practice 
those spiritual disciplines in our lives. Then Jesus shifts his teaching once more and begins to talk about who and what is first in our lives. But remember, in this teaching, Jesus talks about three different groups. It's implied that Jesus is talking about those who are his disciples and who are faithful to God. But then he talks about a group called the pagans and a group called the hypocrites. So join me once again in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Can you just underline verse 21 right there? Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Why is that? Because treasure is something to be held on to tightly, right? Treasure is something that's to be stored up and put away and protected at all cost. And so if we're storing up treasures on earth, if we're storing up treasures like cash and bank accounts, if we're storing up treasures like possessions and houses and cars and boats, if we're storing up treasures like accolades and people cheering for us, they tend to get our attention and our heart drifts toward those things and we protect them at all costs. But Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where things can rot and be corrupted and be stolen out from underneath you. But instead, store up treasures in heaven. Store up treasures in heaven. Work for peace and justice. Work for equity and equality in your world. Work for the sake of the gospel that others might know truth and hope and life. This is the work of God that allows us to store up treasures in heaven. And in doing so, we aren't storing up crowns in heaven, as some may say, but instead, we are setting our heart on God, on God's will and God's work in the world. Your heart will lead you to dangerous places if you allow it. So set your hearts on God by storing up your treasure in heaven. Then Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In the same way our treasure draws our hearts toward God or away from God, our eyes have the potential to distract us. Those things that get our attention keep our attention. Those things that get our attention captivate us and oftentimes capture us and lead us away from God. How great is the darkness that's within us when our eyes fail to stay focused on the glory of God and instead focus on the fleeting things of this world. Jesus goes on. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. God and money both call for our allegiance, don't they? Hmm. 
Then Jesus takes a turn and he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. They don't hoard treasure, and yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And, and why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, thrown away into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I've got to be honest this morning, friends. I've preached this text in parts before. I've preached a lot on Matthew 6, 19 to 24 and on Matthew 6, 25 to 34, but I've never really preached this text as a whole. So when I started my study this week, I was captivated by the point that Jesus was making, even more so if you zoom out a little into the rest of Matthew chapter 6. Throughout this chapter, as I said, Jesus talks about the difference between his disciples, those who follow after him, and those who Jesus calls pagans and hypocrites. Now pagans, by Jesus' definition here in Matthew 6, are those who do not know God, who are outside of the family of God and who practice other religions. Now remember, Jesus is Jewish and he's preaching to a Jewish audience. So these would be those who practice other religions besides Judaism and those who do not know the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That's one group of people that Jesus talks about here in Matthew 6. And the others are the hypocrites who are Jews, like Jesus and the disciples, but they practice their faith for the applause and for the acclaim of others. They're the people who want everyone to see them when they pray. They want everyone to hear them when they praise. They want people to be amazed when they give. Jesus says they like for the trumpets to blow when they enter into the treasury to make their offering, just so everybody can know that we're here and we're about to put some money in the, in the coffers, Right? They want people to know that they are faithful and probably more faithful than you. We don't have anybody. Well, never mind. We're not going to go there this morning, are we? <laughs> they want to, to have something on the wall, maybe a little plaque. We're not a church that does a little plaque thing. So if you ever thought, I'd love to have my name on a little plaque somewhere in the church, we don't do that here at Pittman Park. But I've served churches where you wanted to have your name on the wall somewhere, right? Like third brick from the right two up, that's my brick. It's got my plaque on it. Everybody can know that I was here. We served a church one time where, where there was great big quilts that were donated years and years ago, and they were framed inside of boxes, and there was a little plaque just to remind you who made that offering, who donated that offering rail and that, that pew cushion and you know that microphone stand to the glory of God. And, right? 
We often want people to know just how faithful we are. And Jesus has harsh words for these people. He says, surely, in Matthew 6, surely they have received their reward. In other words, God doesn't reward us for putting on a show. God isn't impressed when we look impressive, but instead rewards us for faithfulness that's practiced for God. Imagine that faithfulness that's not practiced for other people to clap and cheer us on, but instead faithfulness that's practiced for God. Faithfulness that's practiced for an audience of one. The hypocrites are those who store up treasures on earth where moths and rats destroy it and thieves take it away in the night. Their hearts are darkened because they're distracted by their wealth. They're controlled by the power of money and the power of power and their allegiance is not to God but to their wallets. And let's be honest. We might want to keep piling on the hypocrites and pagans for a few more minutes, except that Jesus, here in verses 19 to 34 of Matthew chapter 6, isn't preaching to hypocrites and pagans. He's not. He's not standing in the temple courts calling out the Pharisees. He's standing on the side of a mountain speaking to those who would come and follow after him. Jesus is preaching to people who are trying to follow him. I think he's preaching to us. These words in Matthew 6 are words of warning for us. The words of caution about the pitfalls and the perils that come along with trying to follow after God and to live a life that is faithful. On the one hand, we can become hypocritical performing our faith for the people around us. Or on the other hand, we can become pagans who deny God and God's will for us. Those are the two great dangers when it comes to following after God. First, that our faithfulness would simply be performance. That we would just put on a good show so that everybody would say, oh man, look how faithful Jonathan is. Go, Jonathan, go. Or it's that we would face hard times in our lives and say, you know what, God? I've got this. I can do this on my own. I don't need you. I don't need you or your power. I've got this all on my own. But Jesus instructs us, we who are his disciples, not to store up treasures on earth like the hypocrites and pagans do. Jesus instructs us to pay attention to what gets our attention because that which has our attention has access to our souls. Jesus tells us that we can't serve both God and money because we will love one and we will hate the other. We will love one and we will hate the other. Those are his words to you and me. They're for us. I think so often we think that Jesus is preaching at the world or against the world But he's preaching to us, friends, to our actions and to our attitudes and to our behaviors. And the point that Jesus is trying to make is really a question. Who or what is first in your life? Is it your treasure? Is it money? Is it security? Is it yourself and the part that you play for the world around you? Is it something that's captured your attention? And in doing so has captured you. 
Who's first in your life? That can be a tough question at times in our lives. But then Jesus goes from preaching to meddling. He moves from talking about what's first to talking about worry. That's because more often than not, it's worry and insecurity that cause us to misplace our allegiance to God. It's worry and insecurity that causes us to put someone else or something else on the throne of our heart. It's our insecurity and our worry that causes us to store up treasures on earth instead of in heaven. It's our insecurity that causes us to make money our God. And it's our worry that causes us to become distracted. Friends, I can tell you firsthand that worry doesn't add anything to your life. It doesn't add hours. It doesn't add joy. It doesn't add peace. It doesn't add hope to your life. In fact, all that worry does is steal from us. It steals our time. It steals our joy. It steals our peace. It steals our hope. Our worry never pushes us. Excuse me. Our worry only serves to push us toward becoming hypocrites, practicing our faith, before other people or pagans, denying God's power and presence in our lives. I'll tell you that, friends, because I've been there. There's been seasons in my life where my faithfulness has really just been putting on a show for others to clap and applaud. Where my faithfulness has really been about how much someone could puff me up instead of how high I could lift the name of Jesus in my life. I'd imagine you've had moments in your life that are the same way. I've also had moments where insecurity and worry have crept into my life and I've become a pagan denying God's presence and God's power because I believe that I can do this on my own that I don't need God to give me strength and to guide me from day to day. Friends, those places are dark places. When our faith becomes performance or when we become so filled with worry that we turn our backs on God. And what we need in order to keep ourselves from drifting to hypocrisy or to paganism in our lives is a group of people to hold us accountable to walk with us, to tell us the truth about who we are when our lives are falling apart and to guide us back into the presence and power of God. Friends, it's natural to worry. I'm a worrier. Um, I look out at the horizon a lot um, in my life and in my leadership here at the church and there's good things out there, but oftentimes those good things come with a lot of what-ifs. And my what-ifs at times have been filled with fear and with regret. And that fear and regret has become a soundtrack at times in my life so loud that I couldn't break free of those thoughts, of those feelings. I would replay conversations. I know you don't do this, but I would replay conversations, the things I said, the things I didn't say again and again and again inside my mind. I would think about what I did or what I didn't do during the day and stay up at night just filled with anxiety and worry and fear. 
And it took people telling me the truth about myself and doctors prescribing me medication to help break free from that destructive cycle and to guide me back on to the path of healing and hope and life. Friends, we need each other. We need some people around us that can prevent us from drifting into hypocrisy and tell us the truth and can help draw, can help draw us back when we drift to paganism. And I'm glad to have a God who knows not only our troubles but hears our prayers and responds. And here in the midst of Jesus' teaching, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, in the midst of the, cre- in the, midst of the correction and the conviction that Jesus brings to us here Jesus gives us a promise, and I hope you caught it. It's in verse 33. There Jesus says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says, Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and the rest of it will take care of itself. All the other things will be provided for you as well. Your clothing all the provisions you need to survive and thrive in this world will be given to you. Real treasure will be given to you. True light that enlightens your whole life will be given to you. A faithfulness that's not performed for others, but for God alone will be given to you. But you've got to make sure that you put God first before all of the other distractions, before all of the other cries and calls that the world speaks to us. When we allow worry to dominate our minds and our lives, we limit ourselves because we cut ourselves off from the power of God. When we take our life and our security in our own hands, we take our life and our security out of the hands of God, and that limits our possibility and our potential. And what I want to suggest to you this morning and to myself is that we're guilty of allowing fear and worry to cause us to place our trust in our own treasure and our own power. But Jesus says, friends, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to be a hypocrite and you don't have to be a pagan. You can be a Christ follower. But you got to seek the kingdom first and God's righteousness. Then all the rest would be added to you. He'll give you more than you need. Food, shelter, clothing, security, peace, hope, joy, and more will all be given to you. Not only that, but God will give you purpose, direction, meaning, and life that truly is life, but it all comes by seeking God first. Friends, don't allow the distractions of treasure, of that which grabs your attention, or anything else, distract you from seeking Jesus and his kingdom first. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you that you offer us correction, Lord. That you give us direction for the way that we should live our life so that our lives offer glory and honor to you, Lord. 
We thank you, God, that you love us enough to instruct us and to give us guidance, God, that you love us enough to go to the cross carrying our sin and shame, dying the death that we deserve and rising to life that we might have eternal life with you. So we pray, God, that we might have the courage today to confront our fears and our insecurities and to put our whole trust in you, storing up treasures in heaven as we seek to do your will and work in this world, having our lives filled with light as we set our eyes on you and declaring our full allegiance to you in every moment of our life. Lord Jesus, surround us with people who love us and care for us enough to speak the truth. Allow us, God, to have the courage to cry out when we're broken and hurting and we feel ourselves slipping away from you. Then guide us back, God, by your grace into your presence and into your power that we might be true disciples of you who love God completely and love the world in the very same way that you did, offering ourselves fully that others might know you. This we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen.